Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and I am thrilled today to be diving into the topic of relationships. This is one of my favorite topics. For those of you that don't know, I actually started out as a parenting author and podcaster many, many moons ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago. Um, And so I'm a big, big fan of learning how we can keep the love alive um, or not and, and in the relationship realm. And today I'm so thrilled to be talking to my amazing friend, Kimberly Sweeney. She is a beauty therapist. She's a divorce and relationship coach and also a mother. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Hi, Nat. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled to dive into some of your knowledge today because it's been a trying time for so many people on so many levels. Friendships, yes, but today we're really going to focus on uh, relationships in terms of partners, spouses, etc. So for those of you that haven't met Kimberly before, um, Kimberly Sweeney uh, is an internationally certified CDC divorce coach. She was, in fact, the first coach of that um, certification in New Zealand from since 2015. She's been helping people for eight years in the realm of relationship and divorce coaching. And she often talks to people about, should I stay or should I go? So Kimberly, I'm thrilled to be talking to you about that today. She's trained as a level two Got- Gottman relationship coach to help guide her clients with the tools required to stay and try to make it work. Along with that, she's done a lot of conflict communication coaching. So, Kimberly, we're so thrilled to have you and your your extensive skills here on the show today. Um, first of all, I'd love to just ask you, how has it been for you the th- past three years, both in your business and also from a more personal family level? Mm, good question. Um, it's been an intense three years. I think probably many of us can agree with that. Um, from a business level, uh, I had to close my beauty salon down completely and I had a lot of decisions to make on whether I reopened that or not. Um, but the divorce coaching business, you know, just kind of rolled kind of into morphed into something bigger than I ever anticipated it would be so in a way it was a good thing for me to be able to still access clients through zoom and work with them during what was a very tricky time for relationships or for the divorce coaching side of things as well and luckily they could access me still you know from from their homes on phone or zoom over that time so yeah it, it was kind of a there was two sides to to my businesses that were affected quite differently, which I was just, I suppose, grateful and lucky to have two very good businesses that one could prop up the other in that time. Personally, it was it was challenging not only from that aspect of it, but also from a co-parenting aspect of it. I am separated myself, which is why I became a divorce coach, and um, we've been twelve years co-parenting, but probably. Those couple of years of the pandemic were two of the trickiest years of our 12 years as we looked at things quite differently. And um, my daughter's getting older and more reclusive in that time. And and so trying to move between bubbles was very challenging for her. And I had to kind of step up and, and support her emotionally a lot over that time. And I think many of our children, their, their mental health and their well-being suffered with the pandemic. So it was on a personal level, very, very challenging for our family. I mean, thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, it's 
it's been a really tricky time for so many people. And I, I'd love to share if now that you've been through it, I mean, obviously you're still in it in terms of co-parenting a teenager, but do you have something specific you could share with our listeners in terms of co-parenting? I know you've done it yourself. You've obviously got a lot of clients that have walked that same path. What is something that people that are wanting to successfully co-parent, what is something they definitely want to do or possibly something they want to avoid doing? Good question. Um, look, we learned the hard way. It took us two years to realize that there was such a thing back then as a co-parenting plan, you know. And so once we got that in place, our life changed with how we co-parented and what, where our daughter kind of sat in the middle of moving between two homes. So I do highly recommend to people to put some sort of co-parenting plan in place. It can be quite basic and, and straightforward or it can you know, be quite detailed. It depends on what the dynamics are between the two parties involved and the households involved. But that would be my top tip is to as soon as humanly possible if you're separating to sit down and, and talk about what that co-parenting plan will look like in a schedule and the financial aspects of their children and all those things um and then probably secondly is, is that sorry to jump in is that plan something written down like a spreadsheet or a, or a word document or something yeah so look there's many different um ways you can get your hands on a parenting plan um Free resources, there's the um, Parenting Through Separation course that I do recommend all people separating go and do. And in that course, you will get a very basic plan to help that your family put something in place. Um, I have got a very detailed plan that I work with my clients on. And it's a download on my website as well. And just over the years, it's morphed into, you know, probably a 10-page plan, just mm -hmm. because uh, every family is different with what their needs are. And so, you know, when different things have come up with clients and families, I've added those things to the plan. And, you know, you can utilise it to suit your needs so you don't have to fill in all the clauses. But it covers off a lot of different things about, you know, how to co-parent when there's a new partner involved and and other, you know, step-siblings and all sorts of things like that that you don't kind of think about will come into the mix as um, as you work through those stages of, of co-parenting. So, yeah, parenting plans are available out there one way or another and you can work on them together or if you can't manage to do it as, as parents, then... I do recommend clients go to see a mediator and have mm. some mediation on that one just to get on the same page and and remember that it's about what's best for the children, you know, not not the parents in the situation. It's what suits the kids and what's going to work for them best. And coming back to the question about what what to avoid, is there anything, any kind of traps or pitfalls that parents often do around that co-parenting? Mm, I think um, the biggest thing to avoid is not bad-mouthing the other parent in front of the children or or to the children. Um, always speak kindly and respectfully of each other as parents and always support each other's choices as parents. You know, be on the same page and, and even just having, you know, monthly catch-ups as parents without the children to just discuss what's happening in both households and how you can support each other because it is challenging, you know, being a single parent. And if you're not on the same page and supporting each other, then the kids start to play you off against each other you know so having um having that support of each other as parents I think is what's best for the children I know that during COVID obviously there was the whole lockdown bubble thing and a lot of people had to stay together when main possibly I actually knew a few people that were planning on separating and then suddenly they're in a bubble 
Um, did you see some people actually being able to turn things around through the COVID thing and not, it doesn't pull them apart. Instead, it brought them together. Did you see any of that happen? I did. Like it, it was a real mixed bag, obviously. Um, but there were some people that I think because life slowed down for them, they were able to look at what changes needed to be made in their families to make this work and make it healthier. And, you know, potentially not working 12 hour days and, and not supporting each other around the home and all of those things. So I think being at home with each other 24 seven with the children made each other see what you do bring to the table and what you could do better. And so there was a little bit of that, definitely. Um, people just making different choices in, in regards to the lifestyle and, and work-life balance and putting more time and effort into the family, which was nice to see. I think, you know, I, I did notice that as well. A lot of people re-evaluating what, what is important to them as a family and spending more, you know, sometimes it was forced time together, but suddenly they did have more time to fill. So that was that can either go either way. I know there was yeah. an increase for some people in the domestic violence. So that's obviously a very negative outcome. But for some people, I suppose, like you said, slowing down for some of them, help them to avoid that separation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was yeah many different scenarios going on out there. But um, yeah, there were the odd odd success stories in, in the pandemic of people, you know, kind of just rekindling and remembering what it was that they got together in the first place and what's keeping them together now and how can they do it better for the sake of their children. I guess the thing is like COVID for some people was, it added fuel to the fire, but it didn't create you know, the problem as such, no. it exacerbated what was already there. Um, yeah. I know one of the things you talk about a lot, or I think you get asked a lot, and that's why you talk about it is, is people come to you and they say, should I stay or should I go? Like they're in that decision-making stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What yeah. is your guidance for them? Well, I, I find that most people are in that decision-making stage of wondering, you know, where they want to take the relationship. They've been in that phase for quite some time when they finally reach out for help, whether it's to me or a counsellor or talking to each other about it. You know, that one party has been in that mindset for probably 18 months to two years before they finally speak out. And the other party's often in the dark and has no idea. And it's just going along thinking that everything's fine. So it's a very challenging phase. And, and I work with a lot of clients in this phase for quite some time before they're actually able to speak their truth to their partner about the situation and how they're feeling. Um, and it is a phase where I say, don't, don't ignore it, you know, dig in and see what you can do to turn things around. Because if you brush it to the side and pretend that you don't, have these feelings and thoughts then it's only going to snowball and then one day it all just comes crashing down when you least expect it so if you're wondering whether you stay or go then put the work in have some couples therapy talk to each other listen to each other and just see what is possible before you actually make that decision to leave because sometimes it you know it's not what's best for all mm. I know mm. it's uh, and it's interesting because um, you know, in my scenario, without without saying too much, um, you know, we were basically on different pages. We were polar opposite on all the things. And so that really meant that after however many years it was, let's say 12 years or whatever, of of a good marriage, 
suddenly we were fighting more in three years than we ever had. And we'd been dating six years before we got married. So, you know, we've been together a long time and we still are together. And that's pretty monumental. I have to say Mm -hmm. all things considered. So I guess for some people, you know, it's when you're so opposite on things and you both feel equally as passionate. I mean, where do you go? Where would you advise? <laughs> I'm not asking for free advice here on the radio, but <laughs> if if anyone else is in my scenario, and I imagine there are. So if you're listening to this, you're on, you're listening to Reality Check Radio and you, you can relate to my scenario, which is basically polar opposite perspectives on all things COVID. Um, you know, Kimberly, what what advice or guidance would you give somebody in my boat? Mm, good question. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because there's, there's a lot of families in, in the same situation with um, the choices that needed to be made around the pandemic and the children and all, you know, the vaccination and all of those things, you know, and that did throw a spanner in the works for many relationships because both parties were on two different pages with their choices. And, you know, all I can say is, you've still got to get back to the grassroots of a, a relationship and your core values and whether they're aligned and what you can do to try and and bring some alignment back in in other areas. I think that the, the COVID um, disputes that have happened over the last three years you know, just need to kind of be put pushed aside. And you, if you want to make the marriage work, if you want to make the relationship work, that can't be your focus anymore because you're probably not going to align after all this amount of time. And so, what do we align with? What can we focus on that's good? You know, we, if you've got children together, we obviously all put our time and effort and energy into raising healthy, amazing children. And then hopefully you can start to rebuild that relationship and reconnect on a different level that's not around COVID and, you know, all of the things that came with that challenging two or three years. Yes, that is. And that is the that is the challenge. That is also the opportunity. Mm. When you talk about values, I mean, I know some of the I think there's 20 or 100, I don't know, values, buzzwords, for those that aren't sure what you mean, because values and philosophy and perspectives, those are different things. What mm. do you mean when you say similar values? Values around family and relationships, I suppose, in, in respect to what we're talking about now. I mean, values in, in life generally, it's nice to figure out you know, who you are at the core and what your core values are, but also what are, separately, what are your values and what do you want from your relationship and your partner? You know, what, do you, what aligns and, and what doesn't align? And obviously, we're not going to align with every single thing with our partner because that wouldn't be a normal healthy relationship either but what are you willing to accept of each other's core values without rubbing each other up the wrong way about you know disagreeing about those things you know what are you willing to let go and what are you willing to accept and I think sometimes just you know sitting down and and writing out what you want from your partner what your core values are in regards to family life and how you bring up your children and all of those things, those things have to align, you know, to make it work. Right. And of course, values, very different from opinions. Mm, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's interesting. I, I mentioned in the show a few weeks back that, you know, 2023, well, 2020 was the year of clear vision where many of us, not all of us, started to see things more clearly with what was going on in the world and the government and all the things. Uh, 2023 is the year of evaluation and accountability. 
Now, putting that into perspective under the banner of relationships and love, it is a great time to evaluate or reevaluate your our own relationships. Um, but also for me, I think like reimagine, right? So it's it's also a great time, you know, astrologically and everything to really think about how do we want things to be? So not just like reevaluate, like this is bad or this isn't what I thought it would be, but mm-hmm. how do I want it to be? What does mm-hmm. what does a healthy marriage look like? What does a happy marriage look like? And starting to reimagine what that looks like. And then for me specifically, taking an accountability going, okay, Nat, if you want it to be fun, well, you got to bring more fun to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, I think with everything in life, how you show up is is what you'll get back, you know? So what you give out and what you show up is hopefully what you get back from your children or your partner or your friendships, you know? And um, in reimagining you know, what you want for your future. You know, when when we get together with our partners of 20 years, we've we've both changed and hopefully we've both grown a lot and hopefully we've grown together through that, through different interests or what have you. But, you know, we are forever evolving and hopefully your relationship evolves with you, you know, and and if it's not, then it's a good time to sit down and reevaluate with each other about what you want for your future. What are you both aiming for, for, you know, your hopes and dreams and together, you know, hopefully you're still thinking about that togetherness and planning for a future, you know, of when your children leave home or retirement or travel or whatever the things are that you both want to do that is going to keep you growing together, not apart. Well, you touched on the topic of, you know, growing and and evolving. Do you find, because this is what I see, at least in my experience, because I'm in the entrepreneurial space where a lot of people do, or a lot of women, those are my people, do a lot of personal development, personal discovery, self-reflection, facilitated self-reflection, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Is it sometimes I find is that that person is evolving more and then there becomes this bit of a void or a mm. gap between um, husband and wife, just because maybe one is quote unquote doing the work, mm-hmm. self reflection. I mean, not laundry and mowing the lawn, um, <laughs> and the other one is is just you know going through their their day and and going to work and coming home and doing the and helpful with driving the kids, but not so much on the personal discovery. Have you noticed that at all with your clients or or your mm. own reflections? Yeah, definitely. Like you know, there's always potentially one one partner in a relationship that's going to do more personal growth and self-discovery and often it's the females of the relationship because you know we're interested and we are intrigued by these things and we always want to you know help ourselves and help others and that's generally why we do it and so uh, from my perspective I know that everything that I've learned over the years I've been able to impart that onto my daughter and and so you know whether it's your your children or your partner it's just imparting and subtly what you're learning along the way and it's kind of like a, a you're a co- in a coaching role so rather than a telling role you're guiding them and coaching them and just sharing what you learn about you and seeing if any of it you know resonates with them and if it does then you can get into a deeper discussion about it and if they don't seem interested then obviously you you move on (laughs) but I think what you learn for you is obviously you know a reflection 
on your growth and your ability to share your knowledge with your your children and and hopefully your partner's coming along for the ride too. Even if sometimes they're sitting on the outskirts listening to what you're talking about with the kids, you know, it can be enough for them to reflect and maybe subtly take things on board without letting you know they are. Mm. Definitely. I think you raised a good point. Those of us with teenagers, it is a, it is a great opportunity as they start getting into relationships as well. So our, not only our relationship with them, parent child, but as they start getting into relationships, um, being becoming more aware of what we're role modeling to our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, some of what I've seen with, you know, in my personal experience, it's just the way that my daughter's boyfriend treats her. It's like raising the bar for how a woman, you know, wants to be treated. I mean, some of it's going back to some of the old school stuff, like opening the door for her and like clearing her plate for her. And like, you know, some of that stuff is like, this is great for my boys to Mm -hmm. see a woman being, you know, treated like that. I think part of my, if I'm going to be honest with myself, part of my thing is because I'm so independent and so very capable Mm -hmm. is sometimes you don't get that TLC because it seems like you don't need it, but Mm -hmm. we all want it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing. We we are raising self-sufficient, independent women, you know, and and we are those ourselves. And and so to accept, you know, help or or to say out loud that you wouldn't mind sometimes having things done for you or being treated that way, that's okay. It doesn't mean you're any less independent or self-sufficient and you would do the same for your partner, you know. So it's it's showing up for each other in a way that you want you know, to be looked after and treated. And that's lo- a lovely story of your daughter and her her boyfriend, because you're right, like if, if there's some modelling going on, then we're hopefully doing the right thing by our children. Yeah. And I guess that plays back into that all of us, you know, for those of you listening, this is a great time to reevaluate your relationships and also to, as I like to say, reimagine, like how would you love it to be? Mm-hmm. How would you love it to be? And then, and I always do this cheesy movie in your mind, like close your eyes and what do you see and what are you doing? And, and just seeing how even like holding hands, walking down the street, like, what do you see yourselves doing together? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's like, oh, we're going to go rollerblading and it's, we're going to be, we're laughing and it's hilarious because neither of us are very good, but it's fun. So whatever it might be, how do you want your relationship to be? How are you feeling when you, when you see that vision of it, how it could be? And then of course the accountability part is like, okay, great. Now, how can you show up mm-hmm. um, or do things a little bit differently uh, and that's that comes back to self leadership, which we talked about last week and, and touched on the week before. Is yeah, how can you show up to create that vision into reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like you need to show up for yourself first, and then hopefully with your actions and what you're doing, your partner can see what it is that you would like, and and it's reciprocal, right? It goes both ways. I imagine you're giving advice like that a lot of times, like, and do you get pushback, you know, from the clients going, yeah, but he does this and, or yes, but she does that. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always. But it's like that whole, you know, the, the bucket half full analogy, isn't it? It's like, yeah, but if you want your bucket filled up, you need to fill up your partner's bucket. And then, you know, by filling up each other's bucket, then you're filling up your own bucket. So it's not about what, who's doing what or who isn't doing what it's what, 
are you doing that you know your partner loves and needs and wants? Because often people, you know, with the whistler, as we say, things around the house, the jobs that need doing around the house, we tend to choose what we like doing, but not necessarily what our partner wants us to do, right? So some days it's nice to just take stock and go, I know I really want to go and mow the lawns and wash the car, but I'm going to just check in and see what else needs doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is filling up your buckets for mm-hmm. each other. It's not just thinking about yourself all the time. I remember when our kids were really young, we used to live in Christchurch. This is before the earthquake and when we moved to Auckland at, as a result. And Matt would come through the door and he would say these magic words. So I'm just counting. I think it's six magic words. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Yeah. He wouldn't say, do you need help? Yeah. Right. Cause then I'm like, yes, I need help. Like, right. He would say, yeah. so that don't say, well, do you need help? But you say, what can I do to help? Which shows that he was ready, willing, and able. Yeah. And it would be like, hold the baby or stir the pasta or hang out yeah. the wash. It would, usually in those days, it would be something like that. Yeah. But it, I just loved that, that question. And it yeah. was just music to my, as a stay at home mom, it was music to my ears And it just allowed me to ask for help without having to ask for help. Mm, Absolutely. And that's the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, whether you're both working parents or whether one's at home with the children or not, we all need those moments of what can I do to help, you know? So whichever parent has been at home with the children for the day or the evening or what have you, the other one walking in and saying, you know, what can I do to help? is what's going to keep most marriages together like six as you say six simple words is what's going to make most marriages last if that can be a continual event yes exactly so we've talked a little bit about you know if people are making it making it work staying together you know a few tips like that what if somebody is actually separating? Like, so they, they've they decided it's happening. Mm. I know you, you give some guidance around like wellness during separation. So can I ask yeah. you about that? How can the couples make sure that they stay well and keep things as healthy and happy as possible through an actual separation mm. or divorce? That, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like, it, you know, if you want an amicable divorce and you can continue to show up and communicate kindly and clearly with each other then that helps you know the overall well-being of all parties involved because if there's children involved it's also going to have a flow-on effect to them if you guys aren't handling the process well then your kids won't either so how you show up on a day-to-day basis is going to you know make the whole process a lot easier on everybody but definitely open clear communication still you know if especially when there's children because you're always going to be in each other's lives and you have to re-establish the relationship as a as a co-parenting relationship it might not be as a couple anymore but you still do need to communicate on a regular basis when it comes to co-parenting so how can you let some of the past go of, of why the marriage or relationship didn't work to then just focus on being the best parent you can be in that process and that often helps you you know put some of that upset anger what have you aside to let a few things go and if you can't let things go then you definitely need to seek some counseling you know to just one-on-one get yourself that support that you need to grieve the loss of the relationship or deal with the anger or whatever's coming up for you in that process so that you can then tune back into the co-parenting relationship and be the best parent and co-parent you can be. And that's the challenge. And if you, if you can't do that, then it takes a toll on your well-being. You know, 
sleeplessness and stress and all the things that come with that. So if we look after ourselves in that process, we'll do a better job of the, the separation. One of the other stresses of separation um, I, I've heard is the money side of things. So, and, and potential court and such, mm. what guidance do you have for anyone listening today around, around that, around the, the mm. money side of separation? Mm. Well, look, you know, especially if one, one spouse has been the higher income earner, then the other spouse is always going to have that concern straight away. And that's often what keeps people in the relationship for longer than potentially they want to be because of the financial impact of it all. Um, and so it is about, you know, in that should I stay or should I go phase, a lot of clients work with me around this, like, how will I survive? What, what? you know, what will I come out with? And we so we start to break it down and look at the big picture um, and also give them maybe some some support and know how to start working on their own, you know, income potential and what opportunities have they got so that they can start to kind of rebuild their career or their earning potential so that if they do leave, then they've got a more solid footing to start on. Um, in regards to court I am a huge advocate for keeping things out of court and um, I work in the collaborative law process with collaborative lawyers that are all um, opposed to the court process because we can see that it's not the best road to go down it's last resort if you've got a very difficult ex-spouse um, then you, you know sometimes people have no choice but to go to court but it's definitely not the first port of call it would be last resort if you've tried everything and nothing else has worked so you know a divorce coach to keep it amicable to keep it collaborative to keep communication open and just yeah working together as a team rather than as oppositions is is probably the biggest part of keeping it out of court yeah, I mean, the court to me sounds very stressful, just the experience of it. But also, I imagine it really exponentially increases the the burden of the, the, on the money. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If, if your financial concerns are around, you know, the money side of it, then court, the court process is going to gobble up probably most of what you'd you'd be getting out of any kind of settlement agreement. So, you, you know, there would have to be a lot of money involved to make that a financially viable option, because otherwise you're just spending it all on legal fees and court mm. fees. And that's, you know, that's not going to help set you up for your new life. And the added stress on the kids as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got some questions here that I ask all of my guests, and I'd love to ask you, what is one thing in the past year that you've done, achieved, or navigated where you truly upped your brave? Ooh, um, the first thing that's come to mind is um, boundaries. I've been, you know, touting to clients for years about boundaries and, and putting healthy boundaries in place with their, you know, around their ex or their children or whatever the dynamics are in their household and um, finally put a few boundaries of my own in place in the last six months which has given my daughter and I a much calmer existence in this world and and I think brought us closer together as well so yeah I am I've finally kind of seen for myself what putting some solid clear boundaries in place are are like and, and how much more we thrive with good boundaries. 
boundaries are are so crucial. And I imagine something that you keep having to, well, you have to keep protecting them because they can mm-hmm. get a bit blurry or pushed out sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And and they, they can definitely when, you know, certain people know how to push your boundaries. And so it's easy to just sometimes give in and let those boundaries be, you know, pushed aside. But I think standing your ground and and being quite resilient and, um, you know, holding your holding your own and, and your boundary setting. That is awesome. Well, congratulations on that. And um, the bucket list. So we've got a segment which we call Bucket List Busters, where the Reality Check Radio community can message in. So go ahead, you guys, and message us. You can email in inbox at realitycheck.radio, or you can actually text, which is 4040, so 4040. And then you just type RCR for Reality Check Radio, just type RCR, and then let us know one or two things on your bucket list. And if we can help you um, through our community, collaborations, courage, or connections to make it happen, we will. So Kimberly, what is one thing on your bucket list? Um, It's a thing that I never, ever thought I'd hear myself say, (laughs) but the last three years have kind of made me relook at life and want a simpler life as well. And, you know, I live in Auckland City in the middle of a very busy city, which, you know, has served me well. And I love Auckland. I didn't grow up here, but I've spent most of my life here. Um, But I've become more self-sufficient in my little piece of paradise that I own in Auckland with growing my own vegetables and fruit and things. And now I'm like, I really want a lifestyle block. And I want to like, you know, one day, maybe see me retire and get a bit further out and and grow even more vegetables and fruit trees and have some little animals. And I don't know, like I just have this whole new vision of what my life could look like. So that's my bucket list. Oh, I love that. I love that on so many levels because, I mean, you and I have known each other for over 10 years and, um, you know, just you've been, always been so busy. And that's why I'm glad to hear about the boundaries. You've been so busy in terms of your work. You're so in demand. You've got this beauty business, which allows you to help people to feel confident and and um, and look their best. But, and then of course they tell you about their, their, their marital situations. And then you're helping so many, and your divorce coaching business, which was going amazing. And then with COVID, it just really massively grew. So it's mm-hmm. like you, you could easily be busy seven days a week is what I'm saying with all the yeah. clients. So I love that you're seeing the vision for yourself of what is reimagining your own life and lifestyle and lifestyle block Mm. look like to you. Well, that's exciting. Mm, yeah, definitely. And you're right. Like COVID has made me slow down. I, I now instead of working six days a week, work five days on week mm. and six days the next. You know, <laughs> which is huge for me. But yeah, it is about just reimagining what you do want out of this life and and you know, striving towards it. I suppose. All right. Well, any tips from people around the old lifestyle block? If you've done that yourself, I know a lot of people are looking at you know, reevaluating their their lifestyle and where they're living and how they're living. We are lucky enough to have quite a big property here in Auckland and we have fruit trees that we planted when we first moved in and we have banana trees and veggie gardens. Nice. Galore. Um, I love it. Yeah. But for me, it would be living by, closer to the water, closer. To, I'm, a, I'm a seven minute drive from the beach, but I, I would definitely want it to be walking distance. Um, <laughs> so, but that's your bucket list. Amazing. What is coming up for you with your, with your work or, or anything else exciting that's going on and how p- people connect with you, find you and follow you online? 
Mm. Um, what is coming up for me? I've got, a, uh, yeah, quite a lot of different, my fingers in lots of pies at the moment. So um, just growing the um, divorce coaching industry in New Zealand with some other divorce coaches that I now know um, and, and kind of just educating people on on all things divorce and, and that divorce coaching is, uh, you know, a very resourceful and um attainable thing for most people to have and and it helps you you know do it better like like I say um you can fail at marriage but you can succeed at divorce and so I'm really wanting people that have to go through that process to do it the best they can and so there's a team of us out there that are trying to raise awareness there oh I think I mean I tragically I think it is going to be more in demand to have people like you and I think that's very exciting if you're talking about you know, we, we talk about coaching the coaches, right? You're training the trainers. If you can help other people to upskill with all the experience and all the clients that you've helped over the years, well, that's going to help a lot more families to navigate yeah. this as best they can. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and how can you find me? So my website is um, degreesofseparation.co.nz. You can also follow Degrees of Separation on Facebook. And then I have an Instagram, just Kimberly Sweeney on Instagram, where I kind of cross-promote both my businesses there. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Did you hear that? So it's Degrees of Separation. Did you say .co.nz? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, amazing. So people, you can reach out to Kimberly if you um, if you need some help or if you want. I think you've got that a free download or something around the should I stay or should I go? Um, yeah, there's a free download for um, relationships. Some tips on how to, you know, how to keep the relationship going, best practice for relationships. That's on my website. And then there is a workbook on there for should I stay or should I go as well at a, at a price. But I also do offer a free 15-minute discovery call for anyone who wants to reach out and see if we're a good fit and if I can help you with your, your journey. That sounds good. On one of your five or six days a week of working. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to ask you for, if you've got anything else, but I want to ask you one last question. Um, what is one of your favorite places in New Zealand and why? I love the Coromandel um, and, and probably like you, Nat, I just love being by the water. So my ideal is a lifestyle block by the beach. Yes. Don't know if that's possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just love the beach. It, it's like I can switch off if I'm at the beach. So it's a nice, nice place to be over there. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. All right. So Kimberly, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience around the topic of relationships, reimagining your relationships or and navigating um, separation and divorce? Uh, probably all I'd want to add to that, that we because we've covered a lot today, but um, I, I just you know want to remind people listening that you know, it takes a lot to make a relationship work. And that includes, you know, having some me time, some we time as a couple, and then family time as a family. And it's got to be equal across the board, you know, like having, um, you know, equal amounts of, of all helps you to have a healthy, happy relationship. And the me time gives you the time to have some self-care or catch up with your friends outside of the family unit. But I think we need a happy balance of everything for a happy relationship. Such a good reminder. All right. Amazing. Thank you, Kimberly, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing.
Awesome. So good to talk to you. And everyone remember to, uh, it is a great time to evaluate or reevaluate your relationships, take some accountability and really get clear on that vision of how you want your marriage, your relationship to your partnership to be, and then take that empowered action to make it happen. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR, Reality Check Radio.